hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey, welcome to Pool Player Podcast brought to you by Pool Scene 365. I'm your host, Joey Ryan. And do me a favor, if you like the content we're putting out here, make sure to subscribe to the channel, uh, hit that notification bell, uh, like it, share it. Let's let's ramp up that YouTube, YouTube algorithm and uh, leave some comments because uh, maybe there's something I forgot to ask or you have some ideas about something I could do different with a show. I'd love to hear that, make the show better. So today we have a great guest. Uh, we have... Uh, really a pool influencer. Uh, I've been following him for a while online. He's always in the know about things. And maybe more impressive, after spending a little time with him in Texas, I learned that he really understands the game, can assess situations and players, and just has a ton of knowledge. So I'm happy to have him on the show today. I want to introduce you to Molina Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Joey. How are you? Thanks for having me on, man. I'm a big fan of the show. I see all the guests you have on so i'm i'm honored to be asked to do this and i appreciate it absolutely man i'm honored to have you and i appreciate you taking the time out of your day what got you into uh pool and what you do um were you a player no i mean not not anywhere near what you guys do i saw you play a little bit in texas i know you can hit them around some you definitely don't test the rails like i do (laughs) uh no, but I got I got four girls, man. I guess I use that as a cop out, but I don't really get to play that much. I I love to shoot. I guess I'm 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 rooted in a love of the game, and um, I'm competitive by nature. Uh, but no, I've never never really taken it like to that level. Uh, but I'm certainly always around it. That's for sure. And it's it's a part of my from when I go to bed to when I wake up, and the five times in the night I would get up in the morning. So. Uh, it's nonstop. That's for sure. It's a part of me. <clears throat> that's awesome. How would you define your role in the pool community right now? That's a great question, man. I get, I don't really know how to answer it. I get asked that quite a bit by people whenever they first meet me, like, what do you do? <laughs> I do a little, I, I do a lot of things. Uh, I like to buy and sell. I guess that's the foundation of it all. And I guess the buying and selling, uh, support the other stuff that I do within the industry and the covering of events. If I, if I can go and make it to travel out there, um, the writing up and stuff like that, that I do, that's just more of just something I, I like to do. And it's kind of, it's, it's grown a little bit of a following over the last few years. Um, but I love traveling and really all it is is just an excuse to go, you know, check out the stuff in person. You know, at, at the end of the day, I'm a really big fan of, of top level pool you know, that, that's where it all stems from. Um, so I just, I do my best to try to share what's going on, you know, in the pool world with people, uh, because I was always that person who I couldn't go and find things, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago of what was going on, what tournaments were playing, what links were on there, what stuff's coming up. So I try to be that person. I don't always get to do it, um, but I, I certainly do my best at it. How did you, so you have a massive following. Uh, how did you gather such a large following? Was it word of mouth, do you think, or the relationships that you have with the players or just your online presence? I think it, it was the relationships that I've built and, and the dealings that I've done, uh, the, the buying from players and um, friendships that I've gotten. It's been, it's been um, specific and, and, um, a process that that's for sure and I think that from that it kind of helped me get a following um I remember a couple of years ago was my first really major tournament I went to it was the international which is funny because it's actually a brand new tournament um but that was when we were doing a deal with with Roy uh out there and I was I was nervous to death man you know and and uh we did some cases for him and some other things with a company that I distribute with um and that was really my first, I guess, my first deal with someone who like on that level, you know, um, and from there, it just kind of grew. I, I reached out to people. Social media is like a really, it's, it's a big tool, man, you know, so 
um, I just kind of, you know, uh, strap up my boots and go out there and, and hit guys up and pull players. A lot of times they get paid in product. You know, it's no secret in the industry. Part of their sponsorship deals are, you know, we're, we're not going to give you cash. I mean, unless you're that, you know, elite player, majority of these guys are getting, you know, cues and, and chalks and gloves or whatever else from their sponsors. And it's their job to go and turn that into cash. Well, they don't want to be there at the tournament, you know, booth, you know, nickel and diamond gloves or trying to sell a cue, you know, they want to be out there hitting balls and getting into action. So um, I just started just trying to buy from them, you know, and to say, Hey, I bought this cue from that player. and This cue was from that match. And um, it kind of grew from there. And I think that's where the following started, but I, I never really, I didn't notice it only until like the last, oh, maybe like year and a half, you know, where, where, where I realized the following was more to like get people to buy from me. You know what I mean? Um, and I do my best to try to treat people with respect and, and, and treat them right. But um, I think it was just a combination of both, man. And then once I started traveling, I started doing some live streaming if I could at events, giving people updates, family members of professional players are reaching out to me. Hey, how's, you know, Billy doing, or, you know, how's so-and-so doing. And I, I, I'm interested in, in doing that. So I try to, you know, let everybody know uh, what's going on if I can, because a lot of times at these events, it's only just one table streamed, right? M like majority of the time, at least here in the States. Yeah. So uh, sometimes there's a lot better action on the side. So um, yeah, it's just, but it's all been organic, you know, it's, and, and, I'm surprised, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, that's the part I think I enjoy most because, you know, I don't buy a lot of stuff or move a lot of stuff, you know, but I love hearing your updates and kind of seeing what you're doing on social media. And, you know, you bring up social media as a big tool and, you know, I was talking with my brother about it. He, you know, he plays a little bit of pool and, but he's been a real help to me in getting this podcast going, just giving me ideas and stuff. And he said, you know, the whole pool industry, really needs to do a better job with the players of building up that social media side, right? So there's so many players out there that have so many good photos and so many opportunities, but you look at their Instagram and it's not really that, you know, built out or their Facebook, it's, you know, it's not really taken advantage of. Do you see that as a big opportunity for pool players? Absolutely. A thousand percent. And, and you see that with like someone like Emily, right? I mean, it's no secret who she is in the industry and, and what Matchroom is doing, um, like what kind of potential and future there is in pool. You're going to have your guys who are pessimistic, but the reality is, is that they can take it to that next level. And a part of that is these guys need to be a brand, whether or not they want to or not is irrelevant because they're going to be, if they want to be in that top tier kind of talent and want to go and make the, the money that they're all complaining about that they never get a chance to go and make. Right. But you kind of have to, it's, it's all inclusive. You got to go and play ball. You got to make yourself as presentable as you can online. You got to have followers. It, it'll make you that much more appealing to sponsors outside of the pool industry, because let's face it, there's not a lot of money or a lot of guys putting out money. You know, there's a few companies who are, but the majority of them just aren't right. So um, Emily's pushing it. And I know that a lot of guys are kind of digging their, their uh, boots in the mud, so to speak, and giving her a hard time about it. But um She's a smart woman and it's, and it's by design and it's for, it's, it's for a very specific reason. You know, uh, you, you see athletes like <clears throat> LeBron will have 20 million followers, you know, and Shane has, you know, 18,000, you know, and he transcends markets. He's not just a, a, a fan favorite here in the States. You know, he's a fan favorite wherever he goes in Europe and Asia. China, I mean, you, you name it, the guy's popular everywhere. Right. But he's got 18,000 followers. And I mean, that's fine and all for the pool world, but like they're trying to take pool to that next level, but they got to be on those platforms in order to get those numbers up as well. Yeah, no, I like that. And you know, uh, Shane having 18,000 followers, I don't know if you were just throwing out a number, if you actually know that it's 18,000 followers. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, but if you think about it, you know, just take the league players, right. Uh, you know, yeah. half a million, however many there are, you know, like, why aren't they all following him? You know what I mean? Like there yeah. should be like, I'm sure most amateur golf golfers are going to follow Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson, sure. you know? <laughs> and so, uh, and the other thing I like about that too, is 
if the individual players are marketing themselves on social media and really taking advantage of that, it doesn't just lift them up. It lifts the entire game up, right? The entire entire sport, you know, gets a boost. So, so I see that you partner with others and, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, and you're, you know, I notice online, you're always communicating with people throughout the country. Um, What other influencers out there are kind of in your inner circle, would you say? Mm. I mean, besides players, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of these guys now over the last few years of, of traveling and and getting to know them, doing business with them. Uh, It kind of makes things awkward at times, you know, whenever I go and, and say something about a match or an event or how I think they might have played. Um, at the end of the day, I try to be, I obviously try to have respect, you know, but I also try to be honest about things. Um, but no, I got, I mean, besides players, stay courses. I mean, it's no secret that action makes the pool world go around. And I mean, especially given the state of the industry right now, I mean, action just is, is, is where it's at, you know, guys got to go and make a living and especially in, in, in 2020 and how difficult it's been. So um, I hear about a lot of matches that are, are getting played daily uh, that people will never hear about or, or, and it's tough because obviously people know what I do, right. They know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and say something, but I also go out of my way to make sure it's all right. And there's plenty of times where I get told, you know, keep between us and I do, you know, um, I definitely don't want to go and, and burn those bridges, but, and it's tough sometimes I'll tell you, um, it really is, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's pretty much, I mean, with like within the industry, you would think I'd, I'd have more, I guess, friends like on with like companies and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. I do to an extent, but not like the big wigs in the pool world. So, yeah. So you were at the Shane and Dennis match and, you know, I was kind of following your posts and stuff there. And I mean, what a sick match that was. And so for those of us that didn't have the the privilege of being there, can you give us like your firsthand assessment of, you know, being there and and watching that match? I mean, I don't even know where to begin. It's been a couple of weeks, right? Like it should all kind of like settle in and, and, and even just, you bringing it up kind of like takes me back and it's still amazing me what happened. I mean, it was, it was done. It, it was over. Everybody in that room knew it was over. It was just the formality of um, Shane needing, I think maybe six more games, something like that. You know, he's up <clears throat> one fourteen to 90 something. And I mean, it was back and forth. It, it, if you watch Dennis in that format, you know that if the guy's got a swing, he's got a chance. Everybody knows how good he pockets the balls. Um, and you saw flashes in the sky match of how great he can control that two ball, because that was everything, you know, how he, he can control that second ball. Um, obviously he knows how to rack and that's a big part. And when you talk about guys at that level, I don't want to hear any, you know, complaining for lack of a better word of somebody being a rack mechanic, because if you don't know how to do it, you should. And if you don't, you're just being lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's an aspect of everybody knows how important the break is at that level. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I'm sitting there and it's like 114 to 90 something. And a guy says something like, are you ready to go home? Or what are you going to ride up or whatever? And I said, man, it's over. It's over. And then Dennis got to a hundred and I said, it's not over. (laughs) And I still don't even know what I witnessed. Right. Because it seemed like Dennis was done. And I'm, and I'm literally like, I'm literally like two feet behind Shane. I'm sitting at the table right behind him. And Dennis is maybe like another seven feet over right on his side. And I saw Dennis so many times look broken and you never see that from Dennis. Dennis has so much heart, man. And, and um, he plays for such big amounts of cash, but Shane's that guy. He's just had his number and you can tell that like, it really bothers him because he really wants to, he really wants to get that monkey off his back, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. and Dennis was broken. Without question, he's sitting there, his hands in his face, and his eyes are closed. When he made a mistake, he was just sick to his stomach. I'm in a chat, right? Like, and I told you earlier when we talk about him, um, other people that I know, stake horses, right? Guys who have backed Dennis in huge money games, 20000 a game in one pocket. I mean, some stupid spot. You, you, you name it, right? They said, Mike, I've never seen Dennis this upset before. I, and I remember the shot 
I don't remember at what point, but I know it was late in the match, but he misses it and he's furious with himself. I think he was using the rake. And uh, I talked to his buddy, his, his, his road partner, Kimo, afterwards. He said, Mike, I've never seen Dennis that mad. That's the second person who's real close to Dennis that said the exact same thing. And I still don't know what happened. Shane's <laughs> supposed to close him, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's the, they were having issues with the stream. It gets kind of tight. Shane's up like one, 112, 114, Dennis comes storming back, gets within like eight, and we're all thinking he's got a chance. And all everybody, at least what I was hearing, was that Dennis was just trying to cover. If you think that it was even on the rail, it wasn't because Dennis was getting spotted games. And these guys know because I, I booked a lot of money for Dennis on that match, a lot of money for him. Um, and uh, he was trying to get some with games, but those were – a little bit tough, but some people were spotting Dennis Tim. And you can kind of tell that, like, it seemed like he just wanted to cover, right? Because there was no chance that the guy's coming back from that big of a hole. He's down 22 games against Shane, and all Shane needs is, like, six games or something, right? He came back. Yeah. Mike Wong from Omega Billiards, if you don't know who he is, he's one of the best guys in the industry. I'm looking at Mike, and I'm holding up my phone, like, can I go live, Right. And Mike just kind of gave me the thumbs up. And I said, I'm rolling with it. And my phone's like at, I forgot what it was, was like 12% or something. I go live for like the last 45 minutes, right? Ended up getting like over a thousand viewers at one point. But it was the crazy, I, I still don't believe what I saw. And that last series of racks, it was very poetic. It ended the exact way that it needed to go. And I remember when Shane was down and Shane comes back and takes the lead, I think it was something like, 119, 118 or something. Yep, that's what it was. I didn't I'm live and Shane's to break. <clears throat> and in my head, I'm thinking he's gonna scratch. Yeah, he has to go and scratch because he cannot run out. The ebb and flows of it just say that he cannot go and run out. Yep. But I can't say that because I'm gonna be fucking crucified. Excuse my language. <laughs> I'm gonna be crucified if you know it's gonna get picked up on the thing. So I keep it on myself and the ball just darts. But I mean, he he was threatening that side pocket every time, right? Yeah, he was. That's that's the cut break, um, and it happened. Yeah, it just it, it happened. He got there, and every and you you knew Dennis was going to go and get out. Well, you uh, did, you did, but he had yeah. a really tricky shot there. Yeah. You know, I think it was uh, from the second to the third shot. I can't remember the exact balls, but uh, he had to kind of finesse the cue ball between that object ball and the side pocket there. And he hit it perfect and got dead in line. And we're like, oh, it's over. You know, I'm watching it with a bunch of friends and we're like, it's over. And then he almost draws the cue ball in the side pocket. How sick was that? Oh, well, that, yeah. So that was the last rack. So it, I think the last rack started off with he had to go on Marseille. And I think it was it was very uh, deceiving on the camera going back and watching. It oh, yeah, yeah. As far as yeah. as far as the stream, because it, it was more severe in, in person than what it actually was or, or what it was showing on there. Um, and not only did he execute the shot, but the ball goes, I think two, three rails or something. Cause it's taken that inside. Right. And, and ends up dead nuts. Perfect. And then you think he's out, he's out. And then two shots later, you're like, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> and it's like, and that last ball, right. That eight to the nine, you, the, the gasp in the room, man, because it's a formality that he's out. There's no way that with Dennis's cue ball, that that pocket's ever in question. Yeah. And it rattled two times, not just once, <laughs> it hit them both. That's How sick would that have been? He comes back from 22. He, he goes and, and, and is down with Shane on the hill, gets it even, gets on the eight, and then scratches. That would have been just so sick. and but Devasta Dennis, Devastating. That would have been devastating. Yeah. I don't know. You know I, I, I don't know what, what would have been more dramatic, right? I mean, it, it, it was nuts. I can't even wrap my head around it all these you know weeks later. I'm glad you mentioned that opener that he had where he massed it because on the stream, it was tough to tell how much he had to curve it. And, you know, it could have been one of those where he just kind of punched it a little bit, maybe moved the cue ball a quarter of an inch, but you're saying, no, he, he curled around that ball pretty good, huh? Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, I, I'm looking at guys who are on the other side of the room, right? Because I'm standing essentially where the, where the rack was at. Um, and I'm looking at a buddy of mine on that side and I'm like, you know, without saying like, can he see it? And he's shaking his head like, no, he can't see it, Jeez. you know? So 
um, the, the energy, man, the execution, the heart, the heart, man. I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't just that he came back from that. It was that he did it against Shane. Of all people, he did it against Shane because Shane is Shane, right? And they've they've had their history. Shane has titles in in his in his home. I've seen them, you know, with that had Dennis's name on them that that Shane has, you know. Um, they got a lot of history, and it's not just you know uh, fluff. You know, I, I remember about it was the day before Dennis hit me up to go and try to find some some bets for him. But uh, I messaged Shane and I said, man everything's on the level, right? Because I was going to go and, and bet big on him. And he said, Mike, I'll never do business with that guy ever. And in so many words, uh, well, I mean, he said, I'm going to take every last penny that guy has. And I'm being very PC when I say, when I say that, you know, um, and that was all, all I needed to know, you know, to go and unload on Shane and uh, yeah. And not even, I think it was less than, you know, 12 hours later, Dennis calls me to try to find him a bunch of action. So that kind of made it a little awkward, but um, yeah, man, it, I, I still, you know, guys who are old, older, older than, than me will go and say, well, the, the uh, Efren and, and, um, and Earl match will be the greatest match of all time. Right. But it won't be that for guys of the modern era pool. Right. It won't be that for us because although we may, we may see the old videos of it, this is what everyone's going to go and remember, you know, yeah. and this is like the, the new, the new age of pool, right. The new, the new day, uh, that video is going to circulate around that last rack all over the place. It's the only, I mean, I've, I've talked to world champions and after that, who are like, how sick was that? Mike, even they're amazed, right. Guys like their, their peers can't believe what, what happened. Um, being at the open, which you were at, I mean, yeah, the open was great and all, but like, if you're talking with someone on the side, one of the first things everybody brought up to me, man, how crazy was that match? Yeah. It was, I, I still, I can't believe what Dennis did. And um, I lost a little bit of money, but I, I'm real happy for Dennis. I really was. It, it was, it was a special moment in sport. And this is what kind of like pisses me off when it comes to where the sport is like in the grand scheme of sport in the world. Right. Because that deserved more attention than what it'll ever go and get. Right. You that should be, Dennis that should be, that, that last rack <clears throat> sports center, you know, <laughs> like if you yeah. think about it, you know, so you mentioned the Texas open and um, you know, I was there and, uh, you know, had a good time and, you know, what a great event. And actually, you know, I've always, it's been on my bucket list to, to make it down there for one of those. And so this year I had the opportunity, I said, I'm going to go. Um, but I think I picked the wrong year because that field, I, I guess, cause of COVID or whatever, but every, every, every place you turn, it was like really tough, tough players, you know? Um, do you think the field was a lot tougher this year because of COVID? Oh, I know it. I know it for sure. And it wasn't just that it's, you know, Jeremy being from Texas and, and um, it was, it was time the way it was that, that Shane and Dennis played in Oklahoma and that being so close by, they wanted, they wanted to go and make it worth their while for guys, you know? Um, <laughs> I've gone to Texas open now. I want to say for like the last, like about four years, at least by a mile, by tens of miles, the toughest field that's ever been there, you know, uh, talent wise, it was such a deep field. You know, there's probably, probably over two dozen guys that could have legitimately like won the nine ball, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I wasn't surprised. I, the, the, the Moscone cup guys, it was still up in the air because, you know, they're supposed to be – first they had Oklahoma, and they didn't know who all was going to be able to come down. Justin was supposed to make it. I heard he got snowed in, but I also know that guy, you know, doesn't like to go and travel either. Um, yeah, it was pretty special, though. I mean, that guys are thirsty to go and play. And, I mean, we've all been cooped up at the house for the last, what, six months, right, mm -hmm. yeah. at least. It's been, it's been a tough year. And for guys who make their, their livelihood on being around people, right, being at the pool room, it's even, it's even more tough, you know? Yeah. Um, so they wanted to go out there. They wanted to give it a swing. They want to go and compete. They want to try to make money. <clears throat> Can't go and blame them one bit. You know, there was some, it's tough because afterwards, you know, I started hearing about guys coming out positive for COVID. Um, I'm, I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but friends of mine um, 
So that's kind of been difficult, but I think we all knew the risk, right? We're all adults. Yep. Um, we know, we know the possibility of whenever we go out somewhere, I mean, hell you can get at the gas station or the grocery store. Right. But we're pool players, right? We love the game and, uh, we wanted to be there. We made a choice to go and be there. It, I, I've, thankfully I've heard everyone's been fine, at least from what, what I've been hearing from everybody. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't change it, man. <clears throat> I loved it. It was, it was, a, it was the best event of the year, probably the only event of, of, of the year besides the Moscone. Um, and then, of course, that diamond event in, in, in Vegas at the beginning of the year. But, yeah, I mean, well, you it was know, great, man. Yeah, you were sitting on the rail, you know, sweating mm-hmm. so much of the action. And uh, I know that you had – so you mentioned a couple dozen people or so probably could have won the, the nine ball event. But, you know, really, I think realistically, maybe three or four people could have won the one pocket event. And I don't know if Roberto Gomez was in that grouping, you know, like where did that come from? He beats Alex, he beats Tony, and then he beats Dennis. That's nuts. You know, I mean, what was your assessment of his play? And does he have to be in the conversation now for, you know, top five, one pocket? Well, I think Roberto's always been, at least in the last like, 18 months, he's been in that discussion. I don't want to listen. There's no secret. It's Alex and it's Dennis or it's Dennis and it's Alex. And then it's everybody else. You know, I, I don't care what, what you go and say or what part of the country you're in. If you're in Louisiana, you can go and say, Tony, if you're in Louisiana or Florida, you can go and say, Justin, if you're in Oklahoma, you can go and say chip. If you're in Arizona, you can go and say, Scott, it's not, it's Alex and Dennis. And then it's everybody else. And Roberto, is certainly in that mix. I think you can put Bustamani in that mix, but unfortunately he wasn't there. Um, yeah, I, I had Roberto for the Calcutta. And when I saw his bracket, I thought I just burned 800, you know. Um, Roberto has a lot of skills and he knows the game. And these guys are – Filipinos aren't like the – I don't want to say that, but they're not like the Americans. They help each other out, you know they'll sit there and they'll ask questions and they'll give each other pointers on it. It's rare you go and see that with, with, with American players, at least like those top, you know, tier players. Um, the Moscone cup guys are, are all pretty close now, you know? Um, but usually everyone's kind of in it for themselves where Roberto's been learning from Dennis. And, and when it came to the Alex match, nobody got to saw it unless you were there. I don't know if you saw it, but I was sweating because of the money I had on him. Alex made, a couple of uncharacteristic mistakes. I think he was down something like four, two, he comes back to make it Hill Hill. And I, he had two pretty brutal scratches, you know, but Alex showed a lot of heart and Roberto just capitalized. And, and that's something that if you see Roberto go and play enough, you'll know that he's got moments of greatness. And then he's got moments where it kind of makes you scratch your head. Like how did he hit that ball that bad? You know, but Roberto, he, he sealed the deal. Um, it was funny. I, I got a message from a couple of buddies of mine <clears throat> talking about how Dennis and Roberto were chopping. I said, man, that, that wouldn't have been the play because I, Dennis went for so much in the Calcutta, you know, and if you saw them go and play the match, you saw how much they were fighting for every single ball. I mean, it was, yeah. they, you know, they, they were trying. Um, and I, and I hate hearing that. Don't get me wrong. Like it happens in the pool world, but it really discredits what, what Roberto did to go and beat Dennis and Alex in the same tournament. And it's not like it's Derby, right? It's not a short race to three. It was a race to five. And usually when you have a longer race, the the cream tends to rise to the top. Mm -hmm. Um, Would I go and bet on Roberto again in a race to five with Dennis or Alex? Probably not, you know, but that was his tournament. That was his event. I'm super proud of the guy. He showed a lot of heart too, because everybody wrote him off. You know, It, it was, the bracket was set up to go and not that they did it intentionally, but, Whenever it was drawn, it was going to be Dennis and Alex, you know. Um, and then you had Tony playing great too, right? Shane didn't really play so well against Dennis. Um, but, yeah, man, it was – I love one pocket. I love it a lot better than rotation. If you're not playing that nine on the spot, like the way Shane and, and Dennis played, I don't really care for rotation a whole lot um, just because it kind of gets a little boring. That nine on the spot, when you put that three-point rule, it makes it pretty interesting. Um but one pocket, man, it's, yeah, I love it, man. It's the best game. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I was really happy for Roberto too. And I don't really know him that well. I mean, that one night you and I had dinner 
with uh, Nick DeLeon. I think we used this car to get there, which was super cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, it was. It was actually. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah. But uh, just walking by him in the parking lot one day, you know, I just look up from my phone and here he is walking by me and he's like, hey, how's it going? Like smiling. And I'm like, man, this guy's super cool, you know, and I don't even really know him. So I was happy for him. And there's a couple other players from that event that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I ended up playing in the second round, Billy Thorpe, and I missed two balls and uh, I lost nine to four. And I thought I played pretty decent otherwise, but uh, you know, every time I made a mistake, he'd break and run two, three, and you know, he's putting, putting packages together. And um, you, you know, I kind of, after you lose to somebody, you kind of watch him through the tournament. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering your thoughts on Billy's play and kind of where you see him in the American pool landscape. Now, is he kind of really at that upper echelon? And Billy, uh, he's tough to go and peg sometimes, you know, I remember he went deep, um, was last year in the world 10 ball, you know, and I don't, all these guys, if you give them an open layout, they can go and run out. Right. I think the difference is how much that break is, how great is that break? How much is, is it controlled? Because really that's everything. Those guys control every ball, not just one ball. They control every ball and they try to make it as much of a formality uh, as far as the post uh, break layout as you can get. Um, Billy just kind of has like this old school, I'm going to go and muscle the break. Right. And whatever you give me, I got a lot of tools and I'm not afraid to go and use any of them. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's <clears throat> the kid's fearless and he gambles a lot. So he's got a lot of heart. Right. I just don't think he really, he really cares what happens one way or the other. He's got a, a gunning mentality and he's the kid's excited to go and watch. He's made for TV. You know, some people can go and say he can be cocky, but I don't, I don't think so. I think he's, he's just, he's young and he's confident. Right. <clears throat> but because he's got experience in one pocket too, you know, he can have a cue ball on a string at times. And you saw it at, at moments whenever he needed to, um, it was tough that he ran into Dennis, but today, and I don't know, I, I saw Sky go and play really great at the end of that event. Now I saw Sky go and look really awful a month or so before or two months before whenever he played Dennis. And when I say awful, I mean, it was bad. It was really bad the way that that Sky looked. I mean, maybe you can chalk it up to using that carbon fiber shaft or whatever, but um, yeah, he looked, Sky looked really great. Sky looked like the MVP of old. I still, <clears throat> it's tough, man. I still go in, in, I like, I like Sky behind Shane right now, you know, um, if he's playing, you know, if he's playing, he's got a family now and, you know, God bless him. Um, but if he's playing, I still like, like Sky. Bergman's cue ball is sick. <laughs> I mean, if you watch, speaking of Roberto, if you saw him and Roberto go and play that eight ball match, I haven't seen anybody with a better cue ball than I have Justin Bergman. Uh, the guy cannot breaks like he's getting drugged by a wet blanket, right? He breaks off his, but like that cue ball, man, the out, the, and Bergman even said on one of my posts, he said, man, if I had the, the layouts that Roberto had, I would have beat him by, by 40, you know, and it's true because Bergman had some really difficult outs and uh, he got there, but Billy, he's just, he's old school like that, man. He wants to go and just muscle it. He thinks he can go and make it. And if he doesn't, you know, some, he banks the ball so well on four and a half inch pockets that, you know, keep on going, do your thing, Billy, we're all rooting for you. Um, uh, it's funny. I, I haven't had the best relationships when it comes to Americans as I do like the Europeans and um, other players across the world. But uh, when I went to South Dakota recently, I met Billy, I met Shane. Earl was there. He was something else. Um, but man, he's such a good kid. He's real respectful. You know, uh, I get, I get excited to meet all these guys too. When he comes up to me, he says, Hey, I'm, I'm Billy. And I was like, yeah, hey, that's great. I'm Mike, <laughs> yeah. you know, but he's, he's very respectful and you can tell he was raised right. You know, um, it's hard to not root for guys like that. Yeah. You know, I had the same feeling, you know, I played him and to, to, he doesn't know me. So to him, I'm just some guy in the tournament that he beat nine to four, you know, <laughs> he moves on with, with life, you know, but at some point in that tournament, uh, I don't know if you know the dead punch uh, pool guy on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Jay. He was, yeah. Yeah. He was there. And it was right before he was about to interview Joey Gray, who was watching the match with Billy and I. 
And he was kind of like joking around with them and, you know, being loud on a particular shot that I was down on. And I kind of stopped and just looked at him, you know, kind of because, you know, I'm not going to confront somebody just for one offense, you know, so I just kind of stood up a little and kind of waited for him to get done talking. And I saw Billy lean over and say, hey, man, you know, calm down a little bit, you know, or something just to let him know that it it was bothering me a little bit. And, you know, before the match, introduced himself after the match, great match, you know, and just a, just a solid dude. So I, I was uh, fortunate. Very to down play. to earth. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. You can tell he's just, he's, he's not one of these guys with his nose in the air. And I mean, I've, I've been lucky to go and meet a lot more great people in the portal than I have going and, and meeting assholes. Um, no, he's, he's one of the good kids for sure. And I remember I came back home. I forgot if it was from South, I think it was from South Dakota and, and Billy came, he went deep in that bar table event. Um, but I messaged his dad and I said, man, you got a real good kid, you know, and it's true. He, he's just one of the most respectful young men I've ever gone and met in, in, in the pool world. So I'm, I'm always going to be a Billy Thorpe fan. Yeah, me too. I think so. You, you mentioned a good kid. Uh, that's the other person I want to talk about. Uh, tell us, since you're from Texas, obviously, you know, the whole country, but uh, <laughs> this kid from Texas, from San Antonio, the 15 year old, I think, uh, Lazaro. Uh, tell us about this kid. I mean, he knocked off some really good players. Yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been as much that that family's been as much of a staple as the Texas Open has had over the last few years, right? Like the handshoe jump or handshoe cue, they go and raffle off, right? I mean, they're they're always there. Um, they play in, in juniors. Him and his brother. Uh, that was one of the better moments I've I've been able to see over that over that trip, and there was a lot of great moments. Um, but just seeing that room going and root for the kid, um, he's got a, a bright, bright future ahead of him. And there's plenty of guys who have seen him go and play a lot more than I have. And I've seen him in the back room with the old skinny bobs where he was just in there gambling him and his brother over the last few years. Um, but he just has it. I mean, and when you're young, you never go and see a shot you don't like. Right. Yeah, you're <laughs> but right. that, but it, it was different because that kid, played the right shot if you saw that match with Roberto he wasn't it, Billy would have gone and banked I don't know how many balls in that match with Roberto you know what I mean but that kid played the right shot so many times and it, and it shows how mature of a young man that he is on on the table you know and and outside of it um I don't know a whole lot of, of, about him to be perfectly honest with you but I, the the things that, that I have heard have all been what a great kid he is how respectful he is um and that's real important, you know, more than anything. Um, but yeah, that was. <clears throat> and it's Lazaro. Special. It's Lazaro Martinez, right? Yeah, they call him Little Laz, I think. Little Laz. Lazaro. Yeah, Lazaro. Lazaro. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I'd like to have him on the show. You know, people have been asking me to have, you know, a lady, and I just had Christina Takach, and they Sorry, were asking yeah. me to. Yeah, they were asking me to have a junior. And after what he did in Texas, I really would like to to talk to him. So maybe you can reach out to your network and help me make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I'll send a I'll send his dad a message. Awesome, thank you. Sure. Yeah, we have the the matchup that a lot of one pocket fans were really rooting for maybe four or five years ago before yeah. Scott opened freezers, you know, um, and he was playing a lot more. But Scott Frost versus Tony Chohan, and that one's going to take place in Florida. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's kind of odd, right? You got Tony's in Louisiana now, Scott's in Arizona, and they're playing in Justin Hall's backyard, right? It's kind of kind of interesting choice by Ray and them. But Florida's open, so I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah, it seems like – I want to say this as politely as I can. It seems like Scott may be like in the twilight of his career, you know, if there's even a career in pool left to be had still at this point. I know there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff going on, um, but I mean, I didn't see him in Illinois. Um, I didn't go and see him in Texas. Uh, He may still be playing great, but I know Tony's playing great. I saw him go and beat Justin the other night. It wasn't publicly streamed, but but we all watched it. Scott, I'm sure, watched it as well uh, because he had access to go and, and, and see that stream. Tony's hitting him good. You know, I think the last time we saw Scott was, I mean, I know he ran over over Danny. Yeah, Yeah, he ran over Danny, which was great. You know, Scott looked, I don't know if it was that 
I mean, eight ahead, and I think it lasted what like twenty minutes. It was fast. <laughs> it was fast. It was. It was. It was really quick. But I mean, besides that, I just ain't seen ain't seen him go and play. I think the game of one pocket's always better when Tony's playing good and Tony's engaged, and 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 Tony is both hitting them good and Tony is engaged right now. Yeah. You know, um, and. It's exciting for it, it, just the sport in general. And Tony's a real good rotation player too. You know, you you can go get Tony with some games playing uh, nine ball in a tournament. Go and take those games because Tony can probably get there. Uh, he just ran over Jeff DeLuna. I think he won like nine two or something. Nine to the, two. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, he's banking the balls really well. We all know what creative uh, a player he is. I think that Scott kind of has this bob and weave kind of way he goes and plays and then he waits to go and put that power one pocket on him but i don't know man tony's just when i saw him go and play justin and justin i think is i mean i don't know what justin showed up that night you know but um i've seen tony go and play over the last few weeks and and, and months and even during covid you know i saw him go and give i think it was josh roberts 10 8 and uh, of course everybody in the world saw him go and dog it's a filler you know, and I'm if I'm not disrespecting Tony because Tony would go and say he dogged the filler too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was, I think it was more of a contrast of styles, right? Because he's supposed to go and duck and not be like that Tony exciting aggressive man because you can't give that kid an open table. He's gonna okay. go and run out. You know, you can't even give him a straight back because he's gonna go and hit it. He banks the ball so well. Um, yeah, I just I don't see Scott getting there. You know, um, I'm. Over the last, well, I mean, you said it, man, over the last four or five years, you know, I think that would have been a, a better time to go and play this match. But we're thirsty for for, for content right now, you know. Um, personally, I think the match that just happened, that Tony versus, you know, Justin Hall match would have been much more competitive a match uh, and been something the fans would want to go and see more, only because the last time we seen Justin, the guys in the finals at Derby, right? I mean, he's relevant. You know, and now and that was this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I that, actually that's up against it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you <sighs> there. But I, I actually think that this is a little intriguing because it kind of doesn't make sense. You know, I I know Scott from living here in Arizona and, you know, it, he's got he's got pride. You know, and sure. he doesn't want to put himself in a situation where he'll be embarrassed or he'll, you know, he'll lose, frankly. Uh, and so I, I don't know, maybe he's got something up his sleeve. Maybe he's been hitting balls or, you know, doing something other, undercover and he's going to show up. So it, I'm just I'm kind of curious to see how this plays out. I hope so. I mean, nobody wants to go see see anyone get steamrolled. And I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying from what I've seen over the last you know, six months plus, because it's been a lot of Tony and it's been nothing from Scott, you know, and you can go and practice all you want, but unless you're playing top level guys, they're not, no one's going to go. No one from that pool room is going to go and test you the way that a guy like Tony or any other top level one pocket player can go and test you, Agreed. you know? So yeah. you got to go, you got to go and execute in those moments. And Tony's been in those moments over the last six months. You know, um, I, I hope, I hope Scott does show up and I hope he plays his ass off and, and, uh, I hope it is competitive because if, if there's, if the old Scott Frost goes and shows up, it's going to be a great match. Barn burner. Yeah. Because that old Tony is, is here today. So let's talk Moscone cup. Obviously Jeremy and Joey picking Chris Robinson over Tyler Steyer came as a surprise to, I think, most people in the pool community, given that Tyler was on the team the last two years, they won it. Uh, what are your thoughts on that pick? I had heard rumblings that Chris legitimately had a shot um, maybe like six months ago. And I kind of just chalked it up to, okay, he had a shot like he had a shot a year or two ago, you know, where they go through boot camps and all that. I mean – I didn't think Shane McMahon was going to go and make that team. And I didn't think whoever other guys they went and asked to show up to those things had a chance. I didn't think Max had a shot at making that team last year. Um, It's as much for TV as it is for anything else. Right. Um, I'm happy for Chris. Chris is a good kid. 
Um, I'm, I'm friends with both of them. I got a lot of respect for both of them. Uh, I think that <laughs> it surprised the hell out of everybody. Nobody thought that kid was going to go and get picked. Not even Chris uh, until he got that call, I believe. Um, yeah, the whole world was shocked. There was a lot of uproar. But if you remember, I mean, listen, man, that, <clears throat> number one is short race nine ball. And that kid can go and play. Anything can go and happen. Tyler, I think he deserved to be on that team. You know, the kid went and won it back to back. Damn it, he earned the right to be out there and, and go and try for number three. Now, personal stuff aside, because I heard a lot of it was personal and, and it was more of, of the way Tyler can come across to people, you know, his personality. Um, he's a cocky kid. Uh, I think he means well. I think his delivery can be a little off, though, you know, and, and rub people the wrong way. And it ain't, and this is this is something I've told Tyler, you know, when we have gone and, and, and talked before. So I'm not saying anything behind his back or anything. Um, I think he has to learn to be a little bit more diplomatic and kind of play ball, so to speak. You know, nothing's nothing's a guarantee. Obviously, he, he learned that because I had I heard. I heard probably like a week before it got announced that he thought it was as much of a lock as we all did, you know, and he was really taken aback by it. Um, when I, when I messaged him, I think it was after the Jesus match. Uh, I said, man, why don't you come down to Texas? And he was like, well, I don't know if I'm, if I'm ready to go and see Jeremy just yet. And I get it. You know, it what I, what people don't understand. I mean, it's, this has been a tough year, you know, so it's not just not being able to go out there and go with your team that you've gone and won twice with, you know, I'm sure that kid could have gone and used that money too, you know, guaranteed 15,000 with a shot at 30, you know, um, but I'm happy for Chris. Tyler didn't, you know, as I think Tyler was the MVP that first year until Sky made that jump ball on Albin at Hill Hill. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll say that, and, and as much as everybody dogged the kid and said what the hell was Johan thinking, he saw something in him that didn't nobody else see. And you can, and, and damn it, Jeremy's earned that same respect. He deserves that chance to go and make that call because he's in there with them boys, you know. Um, so uh, it's kind of it's kind of poetic, you know, that everyone's kind of dogging on on Chris the same way, but uh, Chris has got some heart, man, and he can go and hit him. You know, and at the end of the day, it's short race nine ball. Anything can go and happen, you know. So as much of a favorite as I think uh, Europe is, and they're going to be, you know, I'm, I don't know what William Hill has, Matt, but if they were two to one dogs last year, they at least got to be three to one, you know, on the money. Uh, and I've seen guys going and asking for three on the wire. And I, so I think they're racing to what, 11. So they're asking that. So they don't think USA will get to eight, mm. you know. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think it's going to be really competitive and I'm friends with a lot of the guys on the European team. I am. Um, so it's kind of, and it's kind of tough, but I, cause I've been spending a lot more time over the last few months with the American guys, um, and getting, and getting to know them and becoming fans of them. I think they're ready. I do. Um, Shane playing a race, the hundred, I don't care how many fish he's out there catching right now. He's, he's in stroke. You know, and he knows how to break the balls. Obviously, we know what Billy can do, right? The whole world just went and saw it a, a week or two ago. <clears throat> I'm telling you right now, Sky's hitting them good. Chris is going to go and surprise some boys. And we all know that – we all know what, what Justin can go and do. And Justin's been playing out there in St. Louis. So, um, I think they got a lot of chemistry. And maybe they didn't have, you know, the last couple of years. Um, I'm excited. I hope – I hope it, it goes down. I hope nothing goes and gets in the way of Moscone Cup happening. You know, uh, it's 2021. So until they go and rack the balls, I'm still going to be a little apprehensive. You know, I don't want to get my hopes up. But we all know this is the crown jewel of our sport. Yeah. You know, uh, I think up until USA winning two years ago, it was a joke. You know, I think they should have brought in like Asia into the mix. But USA... And I, and I, I don't think it was for TV, 
you know, because you can't create. I don't think you can go and, and script that, you know, um, that those emotions, you know, <laughs> like just like the emotions I saw of Shane being broken by by Dennis or Dennis being broken by Shane. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good cup. I don't know. I don't know how exciting it's going to be because part of the Moscone experience is all the drunken guys in the stands and yeah. the atmosphere in the crowd. I don't know if you've ever been, but I, I haven't been. Um, and actually the last two years make me want to go because before then I didn't, I didn't really want to go to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't think there's a chance in hell fans are going to be allowed in there. And if there are going to be fans in there, it's going to be very limited and they're going to be very European. So um I remember bringing that up to Chris and I said, man, that's, that's great for y'all. Right. That's great for you. Rather, you know, you're a rookie, you're going in there. Ain't nobody going to be in there. Just you and the boys. Right. And he said, no, Mike, I play better when there's a crowd. Yeah. I like that made me excited for team USA. Right. Cause he's like, no man, bring it on. You yeah. know that he, he thrives off of that. So, um, but I think either way, I mean, they're, they're all quarantining right now. Um, the Europeans have been, I think, Fedor's playing a tournament right now, but all, all the Americans are quarantining right now. So uh, I think they'll be flying out uh, at the end of the month or around the 22nd, I think. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I hope they get over there. Then they'll be quarantining again. Uh, everything comes back good, which it should. And yeah, I'm ready for December, man. I love yeah. them. It, 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 Pool by itself cannot go and sustain. It's the way it's, and this is the brilliance of what Emily and her team goes and does. It's the way that it's presented. You go and put a pool, a, a camera over that pool table. No one's going to go and watch, but you go and package it the way that they do it. That's what's going to go and change. That's what's going to go and get sponsors involved. That's what's going to go and get these guys um, earning the money that they should and they deserve it. Yeah. You know? You're, you know, you're hundred percent right, Mike. And, you know, I've said this before on my show, but I'll, I'll say it again now, you know, as I was preparing to do this show, you know, I, my wife gets excited with me, you know, and we're watching matches on YouTube and I'm showing her different matches. I'm like, yeah, this is this guy. I want to interview him. I want to interview that, that person. And then I put on a match that was a Moscone cup match. And she's like, Whoa, what is this? You know, all the lights and fans and energy, She's like, this is what pool needs. And I was like, that's the Moscone cup. And you're absolutely right. <laughs> Check this out. I go, I, uh, we've been to Vegas now only like three times maybe, but the first time I took the wife and I said, and I had it, oh, it was, it was perfect. I take her out there and I'm, I'm going to do nothing but pool, nothing but the pool tournament. Right. Cause I'm there to buy some stuff from guys and I'm there to sweat the matches and we're going to be sitting down and sweating pool all day long and she's going to have a miserable time because it's pool and pool to the average person is so boring. Well, it was the U S open, right? Matchroom first year. She loved it. She fell in love. And if they can go and get her to go and watch pool, they can get anybody to go and watch pool, but it's all about how they go and package it and the way they go and deliver it, you know, to the convenience of your television set. Right. Um, those they make these guys have personalities you know they they they, they bring out and that's why i think like the guys like shaw and, and the fillers they have to go and play these roles man because they got to be villains for tv people want to go and see mayweather go and lose right the same way mm -hmm. that all these americans want to go and see filler go down and shaw go down and all those guys you know and especially when you pull on their patriotic heartstrings forget it <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's great and um yeah i'm I'm really excited. I, I think that Europe has such a tough team, you know, from top to bottom. I don't think there's any weak link. The weakest link, I think, is Albin. And when you talk about Albin, he's a former world champion. He's he's made for big moments. You know, that guy is made for the spotlight because he goes and delivers when the pressure's on him, you know. Um, and that's the weakest player they got. Yeah. You know, he's it's one crazy, of my, right? he's one of my favorite players. I mean, his demeanor around the table and, you know, I think that was part of the strategy, right? They have Shaw, they have filler, they have the, the real energetic and, and then they have him to kind of calm things down, you know? And so, and I, he's a fabulous player. So to be the weak link, you know, what you're talking about, the weak link on the team. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to be that weak a link. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's um, Yeah. I think it was between him and Niels, but yeah, Albin's kind of the anchor. Like he's this, 
he's this team's Darren Appleton. You know, I mean, Darren was that guy for so many years. Oh, I mean, maybe Shaw's that guy too, to an extent. But, um, yeah, no, it, it's it's tough, man. I mean, every single one of them are probably going to be favored only if, until they go and play Shane, right? Because then I think it'll be even money. But any one of those guys playing any one of the Americans is going to be favored. But at the end of the day, it's it's short race nine ball. I mean, anything going happen. It's like losing, you know, you, you go and lose one break. It's like losing serve on tennis. Cause then you have to go and hope your opponent goes and makes a mistake after that. Mm-hmm. You know um, it's so difficult. And that just, it makes the pressure just so, 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 so massive, you know um, it's without a doubt the best event of the year. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, I wish, I wish they brought in, you know, new teams in there, but at the end of the day, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And, I think like ratings wise, they're doing phenomenal. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're talking overseas and I know uh, you watch a lot of pool overseas, you know, um, is there a player out there that maybe a lot of Americans haven't heard of who's going to hit the radar soon and be like that player? Anybody, you know, of? man, <clears throat> I mean, there's probably about 10 guys from Europe. You can go and mention there's one kid from China who's probably, I don't even think he's 18, but I mean, he's like top 10 in the world right now. I've only seen him play like maybe, maybe a dozen times. I mean, the kid's a monster for sure. I don't even, I can't even pronounce his name, but you can look him up. If you see the top 10 list, think he's right before Dennis. Um, you'll never know him in the lineup. You'll never be able to spot him out, uh, but he just delivers. There's a bunch of guys from the Philippines that are like that, that nobody knows. I mean, nobody really knew about Anton until you know, maybe this year when he played Chang and Filler in, in those virtual races, you know, but I've been talking about Anton for years. I think that guy's got world champion grit. I think he's made for the money. Uh, I think he'd come over here and dominate. And, and I mean that in every sense of the word. You know, you put him in a 10-ball event, I'm going to go and bet on that guy every time. I don't care who he's playing against. I mean, maybe maybe Chang, I'd maybe put ahead of him in 10-ball, but um, – that kid's a monster too, but <clears throat> no, I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys, man. The, there's a lot of strong Europeans up and coming. They don't really make a lot of mistakes. It's really kind of one or two when you're done for the match. Like usually with like guys who play halfway decent, it's like one, if you get to the table twice, you're lucky right over there. You, you're only going to get one, one chance, right. At an open layout. Um, they play just so, so phenomenally. And um, it's funny because, Really, this is how like all of this started, right? I uh, I would stay up, man, like at four in the morning, staying up watching China Opens and World Championships, and would be there with Google Translator and hitting up <laughs> friends, hit, hitting up people that I n- never knew, but that can go. I knew they can go and speak a little bit of English, and I would ask them for links and stuff, and <clears throat> that's how like all this sharing and stuff that I do online all kind of was rooted from because. Uh, I would always try to go and find things of, of terms to go and watch abroad. Um, I remember when seeing little Co when, when, when big brother was world champion and I said, man, you bet you need to watch out for that little brother. That was one of the best moments I've ever seen, you know, was seeing him go and be filler because I've been a fan of the kid for the last, you know, seven, eight years, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was pretty special for me. Whereas nobody really in America knew about him except for the last, maybe like maybe since 2015, around there whenever they first came over here. Um, and now everybody knows what, what monsters they are. You know, Chang was in Copenhagen's shadow for a while too. And now it's the other way around. Um, yeah. There's a lot of really great players. This is why 2020 was so brutal because the sport is so deep and matchroom has, has their hands on the throat of it. You know, they can they can go and take it somewhere that it's never been taken before. And I was really excited. I set goals every year and traveling was a big part of them. And uh, I was really looking forward to what they were going to go and do. And I hope I hope that once things open up and it's safe, uh, that they they follow through with, with what they said they were going to go and do, because the future was really, really bright this year. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, Mike. 
you know, I really appreciate this interview and the time that you spent with me. And I think it's been great. In fact, I'd like to do it more often uh, just because you're so in the know about things. And I think it'd be a good way for, you know, people to uh, find out about some of these things going on in Asia and Europe, because you follow all that, you know? And so um, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you want to give a shout out, if you want to just let people know how to follow you or, you know, any closing thoughts that you have? Um, well, I would tell you to follow me on Instagram, but I don't know what my tag is. I barely set that thing up, but I use Facebook. Um, yeah, that's really the biggest tool that I that I go on and use, and it takes up enough of my time. It's tough to go and manage other <clears throat> other platforms. Um, but yeah, I I buy and sell stuff. I'll raffle stuff from time to time, which is a lot. Um, yeah, I, I just, if I'm somewhere, say hello, cause that's important to me. You know, it's always great. Um, I just love the game, man. And I think this is the beauty of what you do because this is what modern day pool needs is stuff like this stuff. that's going to be packaged well and convenient for people to go and, and get content from, right? Because I don't want to go and, and we're not watching a, a VHS with AccuStats anymore, right? Um, pay-per-views are fine and all whenever you're there going and watching them, but this is different, man. Like you're, you're helping these guys go and build a brand. If they don't see that, then keep on moving because there's plenty of other guys who can go and see the value in it. You ask a lot of really great questions. Um, I would say just keep it up, man, for sure. Stick with it because it's, uh, it's only going to get better. And not only that, you got, you got good guests. It's real important, you know? If you, if you had a bunch of guys who uh, nobody really cared about, it would be one thing, but you have great guys coming on. So uh, much respect to you, Joey. I really appreciate it, man.